Good morning. The pastor asked me to share briefly about uh, who I am and what ministry we're involved in. I am a Cree Indian from uh, Moose Factory, Ontario, but I was born in uh, West Cagnish, Quebec. My wife Sheila's with me here, Sheila, and our shut up, <laughs> my wife. My son Joseph is here too. He's 18 years old now. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 42 years, so you can do your homework there and figure out when he came into our world. <laughs> We're blessed to have to have a son. Uh, we have a ministry called Native Gospel Ministries of Canada, and we have our head office here in uh, Ottawa. And I guess you could say I'm the founder of that ministry, so I serve as president as well. And uh, my wife is... Uh, uh, official uh, secretary appointed by the board, so we've been working together as a team, really since 1980. So, and uh, actually, she's the boss, you know. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, uh, in our ministry, uh, I do a lot of uh, outreach to uh, native people, being native. And uh, there was a time I used to travel all across Canada. Uh, to uh, preach the word. I used to be the executive director for uh, the Native Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, and uh, I was quite well known uh, in Christian circles because there weren't too many Christians who were Native back then in 1980, and I got saved in 1976. I went to school at uh, Briarcrest Bible College, so did my wife. I graduated with a bachelor's of religious education, and I went back to uh, school uh, you know, while I was working. Uh, summer courses, I completed my master's uh, uh, degree in administration, then I went back for my MDiv, Master's of Divinity, graduated in 1993, and, uh, and then in 1997 I went back to school and worked on my doctorate degree. I graduated in 2000, my doctor of ministry degree. And uh, so I do uh, a lot of preaching, uh, a lot of teaching, uh, I write books, I'm working on my third book right now. Uh, and my wife has also written a book. I would like to uh, uh, encourage you to, after the service, uh, you can buy a book, uh, a new book that my wife has written. It's called uh, uh, From Mourning to Dancing, and how she recovered from uh, multiple losses, and uh, that's her book. It's just recently published. And uh, I just want to say, uh, I won't talk too long about my introduction here, who I am. Uh, <coughs> Well, one, one time my brother told me, uh, he's a director for the Cree School Board, he said to me, uh, you know, you should uh, use your education to uh, supplement your income. So one of the ways I've done that is I've uh, made myself available uh, to my people. And uh, back in uh, 1998, uh, I wrote a book uh, called From uh, Go uh, Grow Going and Growing Through Grief. And uh, they published about 5,000 copies of that book, and we sold over 4,000 maybe now. So it uh, spread all over the, uh, Canada. And, uh, <coughs> and uh, my wife also uh, wrote a book just recently. And, uh, you know, they use our book all over Canada, really. So we reach a lot of people through books. I also uh, uh, do uh, preaching. Uh, quite a bit in the, in the native communities, and I go on the radio, I go on TV, you know, and plus uh, I, I, we publish literature. This is our literature, this is our NGM news tracker, 
And uh, we put this out just before Christmas, and I always make sure there's a message here uh, that people, people can read. And uh, these cost quite a bit to print. You'll see at the back here uh, the books that, I, that I've written, uh, Going and Going Through Grief, uh, the, the Wildlife of uh, James Spade, that's talking about the animals, not the wildlife. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> then also I did my dissertation on Give Christ the Freedom to Build His Native Church. And that's a book itself, too. And then Sheila's written a book, too. So um, in, the, in the Cree communities, uh, and uh, I guess I'm known as a counselor, a grief counselor. I do uh, counseling and uh, also do uh, workshops on uh, uh, grief. Grief. I've done a lot of them. And you know, the, most of the people I talk to are uh, non-Christians. Christian, so uh, it's an opportunity for me to share the word of God with them. And uh, many have accepted the Lord uh, through my counseling uh, sessions. Uh, I'm just going to share with you, and you can remember to pray about this. Um, <clears throat> back in uh, January uh, 26, 2013, I was in Moose Factory, Ontario. And... Uh, I went to school with this man. His name is Stan Ludet. And uh, Stan Ludet is the Grand Chief of the Muskego Council uh, in James Bay for the Crees on the east side. He's a very well-known man. And he, Stan is, you know, has cancer in the stomach. And uh, he's been going through treatment all year. And uh, when I went to see him, he was already sick at that time. And uh, so I, you know, I went to school with him. And I shared with him uh, about Jesus Christ. I shared the plan of salvation with him. And after I was finished, you know what he said to me? He said, well, that sounds simple. Is this simple enough? Let's go for it. And uh, his wife was just coming down the stairs at that time. And I said, Sharon, uh, would you want to pray with Stan too? To accept Christ? She said, yes. I had the joy of leading uh, my Friend Stanley to the Lord and his wife as well, and I've been keeping in touch with him. And uh, I just want you to pray for him. He's been going through chemotherapy. Uh, his name is Stan, and it would be nice if the Lord would, you know, restore him to full health. I appreciate that very much. So uh, this morning, I want to share my message with you. Uh, these are available at the back. The books will be available. You talk to my wife, and uh, it helps our ministry. So. Uh, <clears throat> You know, when you were singing that song, uh, O Little Town of Bethlehem, I was thinking about that song uh, because I, I read it. I read something about it in a book one time, written by Philip Brooks. He's a the church there. And uh, he wrote a poem. And the poem was called O Little Town of Bethlehem. Uh, but he didn't, and uh, he told the man that was in charge of the music in his church to put it into music. And, uh, you know, put it into music. But this man was so busy, and uh, he never got around to it, I guess. So, uh, anyway, he thought about it. And one night, uh, he, he, uh, he went to sleep. And uh, while he was sleeping, he, he had a dream, and uh, this, about a, a tune came to him. A tune, you know, a tune. And, uh, and when he woke up, uh, he, he remembered the tune. 
And he went, I guess, uh, looked at the poem that was written by Philip Brooks, and he used that poem with the tune that he got in his dream. <laughs> so that's, that's something special about that. Now, the tune, I guess, it really came from God. Old little town of Bethlehem. That's something to think about. Uh, for Christmas, <clears throat> I guess I want to share a message with you about the four great values of the first advent. And uh, around the world, Christians are celebrating Christmas. It's a special time of year when we remember the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the native communities in James Bay and all across Canada, uh, native people are celebrating Christmas like everybody else who is a believer. And uh, at Christmas, uh, we remember uh, a special event, uh, the miracle of the Incarnation, the uh, birth of God's Son into the human family. That question that was asked, who is Jesus? I hope that by the time I finish my message this morning, you will know who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? And so the Lord Jesus Christ is the second person in the Godhead. And he existed before he was manifested. I tell people that Jesus Christ is God. And that he existed even before he was born. And uh, the Bible says, and I like to read the Bible, and I, I always look for verses that show the deity of Christ. In the New Living Translation, it says, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Bring me into the glory, he says, before, uh, that we shared before the world began. And the Native American people believe in the Creator. I'm a Native American person myself, and I know my people, and they always talk about the Creator. The Creator. And uh, I want to say that those who follow the traditional beliefs do not acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ. I was talking to a native person uh, in uh, uh, Mistasny just a, few, uh, a, week, a week ago, and I was telling him about uh, who Jesus is. And he says, uh, you have to also accept the fact, he says, I, you know, I follow the native spirituality. And I talked to him about Jesus Christ, and he said, you know, he received word, I guess, or teaching from the traditionalists that uh, they do not believe in the Bible and they do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't acknowledge him the way we acknowledge him as the creator. Because Jesus is God, eh? I say he, he is the creator. The Bible says he came into the very world he created. He came into the world that he created. And then it says, but the world didn't recognize him. John the Baptist testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. I was reading this not long ago. This is what John said. This is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. So, uh, 
Jesus was in existence before he was born. Some non-Christians are trying to take the Christ out of Christmas. You notice that? It seems like it's hard to say, Merry Christmas. But my wife, you know, she deliberately tells people out loud, Merry Christmas, because the message is there. We celebrate the birthday of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they want to replace the old traditional Merry Christmas with Happy Holidays. And uh, it's hard to believe that some people who want to leave Christ out of Christmas, especially since it's his birthday we are celebrating. Christmas is the birthday of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the desire of the world is to take Christ out of Christmas, and that shows they don't know him. I could say stronger words than that. (laughs) If I follow what John Haggai says, you know. People that uh, say happy holidays, he says, it shows their paganistic beliefs. <laughs> John MacArthur said this, We are in danger of losing Christmas. It may be the biggest and most popular of all our holidays, but Christmas is in jeopardy just the same. A subtle but sure erosion is taking away the season's most significant, uh, is, trying, is eating away the season's significance. I'm almost finished reading a book. It's called uh, The Cross in the Shadow of the Crescent. How many of you have read that book? Nobody? Well, you go to the Bible bookstore at Salem House Bookstore and ask about that book by Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Uh, it's called The Cross in the Shadow of the Crescent. Crescent. It's about Christianity's response to Islam. Now, if you read that book, it's Powerful. And Dr. Lutzer is uh, one of my favorite uh, pastors because, uh, you know, he went to the same school I went to, at Cairnport, Saskatchewan. <laughs> but he's the pastor of Moody Bible Church for about 30 years now. Anything he writes is good. Dr. Erwin Lutzer. And so uh, there are two prevailing philosophies that are stealing Christmas. The first one is to, an effort to mythologize the Christmas story. The world has reduced, reduced it to little more than an elaborate fable. And tradition has turned the unnumbered visitors from the east into three kings and has even given them names, like in the story of Ben-Hur. And in the nativity scene, the wise men did not visit Jesus the night of his birth. Last night we were visiting some friends in Canada at supper with them. And um, they're Catholics. And we were talking about the nativity scene. And I mentioned to them, you know, like uh, the wise men came. I said, you know, maybe when they came, maybe Jesus was about two years old at that time. (laughs) They they didn't really come, you know, right on Christmas Eve. Yeah, that story is told sometimes in the nativity scene. Uh, The second uh, philosophy that is stealing Christmas is the growing tendency to secularize it. For example, Santa Claus, reindeer, and talking snowmen seem to de- dominate our Christmas decorations. And the spiritual values of Christmas have mostly been taken away. And you have to watch, that, watch out for that. Uh, in the past, Christmas was focused on the worship of God. You know, when I was thinking about this this morning, that's true. When I was a young boy and I was in residential school, the only thing I remember when we used to go to church on Christmas Eve or something. 
to worship God. And so um, most of the current celebrations have left Christmas outside of Christmas. Commercializing the season to the extent that worshiping God is pushed to the side. People shop, they wrap, and they give gifts, they cook, serve, eat food, go to parties, send Christmas cards, attend movies, plays, visit friends and family, and the like to the exclusion of worship and acknowledging the birth of Christ. They do everything, but they forget Christ. And that's one thing my wife and I uh, uh, decided to do two years ago. I said, uh, we said, when Christmas comes, let's worship Christ. We'll go to church Christmas Eve. You know, we'll attend things that are done in the church. And that's what we've done. And um, so, uh, of course, we can celebrate Christmas with joy, but let us also make it a time of worship. You can enjoy Christmas, but put the Lord first. Put the Lord first. In February 7, 2003, my wife's younger sister died. She was 47 years old. I had five kids. She died after battling cancer for a number of years. She had cancer in the brain. And then she died in February 7, 2003. Two days later, her mother died from ovarian cancer. And she suffered with Alzheimer's for uh, a number of years. I did the funeral in Moose Factory. There were two caskets at the front. I still remember my father-in-law. You know, you know when, they, when they closed the casket at the end of the service? He got up to say goodbye to his wife. And he made a long walk on the other side to say goodbye to his daughter. That was hard. And so uh, what happened was uh, during that year, we made plans to go home for Christmas. Uh, you know, to go home for Christmas. Because we knew that my father-in-law was still grieving the loss of his wife and his daughter. And what happened when we were just about ready to go to Moose Factory? We received news that he had a massive heart attack and he died. That was on December the 19th. He died. And so uh, here we were going to go for Christmas, you know, celebration. And he said we were going to a funeral. I did the, did the funeral for my father-in-law on the 23rd of December. And my wife was grieving the loss of her sister, the loss of her mom now the loss of her dad. That's what you call uh, multiple losses, or they also call that complicated grief. And you can read the story in her book. <laughs> After this, if you want to get a copy, uh, they're, they're available. But you know, uh, well, I, my son was young at that time. He's still about a young, young, young boy. Was, uh, he would have been about seven or eight years old at that time. And uh, kids got all excited about Christmas, eh? So she was wondering, what are we going to do? How are we going to celebrate Christmas? And you know what kept her going? The Lord told her, in, in her heart, the Lord told her that if you focus on the true meaning of Christmas, you can celebrate it. And that's what she did. She focused on the Lord Jesus. Why he came. Why do we celebrate Christmas? And she said it worked. It worked. And that's, a, that's something that we need to keep in mind. Eh? 
The world does not see that Christmas is, first of all, a celebration of the birth of the Savior. The world does not see that Christmas is, first of all, a celebration of the birth of the Savior. Christmas is a time to worship and praise God. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. So Christmas means so much more when you know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. The true joy of Christmas comes from knowing what Christmas is all about and from knowing the one whose birthday we are celebrating. Why did Jesus come? Or question, who is Jesus? Why did he come? He came because scripture had to be fulfilled. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah 7.14 He came into this world with a mission, and that was to die on the cross and save us from our sins. The old, old story. But it's always new. I like this part here. 2,000 years ago, divinity took part in humanity. Let me say that again. 2,000 years ago, divinity, something that's divine is associated with God. Divinity took part in humanity. God became a man. God became a man. And the angel of the Lord told the shepherds not to be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. This morning, there are four great values of the first advent, or the first coming of Christ. And the first one is this, to destroy the works of the devil. The Bible says, John 3.8, 1 John 3.8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The Son of God is Jesus. And uh, the use of this title refers to Jesus' deity, the Son of God. That means he's God. The word appeared shows us that Jesus existed before his incarnation. Again, Jesus is God. John described the devil as a murderer and a liar in John 8.44. And the works of the devil are the destruction of life, physical and spiritual death. All diseases and all pain are ultimately results of sin and are among the works of the devil. Satan, who is the God of this world, small g, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. It says uh, they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Satan has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. And so Christ was manifested to bring the gift of eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, Christ came into the world to open the eyes of those who were spiritually blind. October the 13th, 1974, was when I accepted Christ. When I accepted Christ, my eyes were opened. And the devil's work in my life was destroyed. I was born again and became a new person in Christ. You know, when, when I was a young boy, uh, my parents, I guess, were not Christians. And, you know, there was a lot of drinking in my home. My mom, my dad, my older uh, siblings. And when I was young, about uh, seven years old, I started to get into that stuff myself. Drinking. Started smoking maybe when I was 12. <laughs> and uh, it went on. Right up until I was 21. I, mean, uh, I used to, I used to uh, drink a lot. And uh, never miss a weekend when I was back to the party. I was that kind of person. So I don't look down on people when I see what kind of life they're living. You know, when I see them partying, I was like that. But when I became a Christian in 1974, I got saved, my life changed. And I'm so thankful for that. And uh, my desire is to bring people to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And uh, the other reason uh, uh, Jesus appeared was to take away sins. And here it says, And you know that Jesus Christ came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. It's very clear, eh? <laughs> what I said, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Then here it says, And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. And there is no sin in him. Sin means missing the mark of God's divine purpose. We have all sinned and missed the mark. And God is holy and he must punish sin. And Jesus was manifested to bear our sins. Jesus, the Son of God, was sinless and was a perfect sacrifice for our sins. There was no other way that could have been done. There had to be a perfect sacrifice. And uh, the only way that could happen is God himself had to come down to earth, be a man, and die. It's the only way he could die, was to become a man. <laughs> and then he rose again, and he ascended to heaven. And Jesus was a perfect sacrifice for our sins. He personally, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right by his wounds. You are healed. You know, I, I, I've been a Christian almost 40 years now. And um, October will be 40 years. And I've read the Bible many times. And I never tire of reading a verse like what I just read there. And you find it throughout Scripture about Jesus Christ. So the reason Jesus appeared, another reason, was well, the third reason was to reveal the Father. Uh, the purpose of the Advent, the four great values of the first Advent, the third one is to reveal the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That's what Jesus said. But by that statement, Jesus claimed absolute identity with God. If you want to know what God the Father is like, study the life of Christ. That is the life of Christ. You want to know what God is? 
If you study the life of the Holy Spirit, I mean, the Holy Spirit is the same thing too, because He's God. God incarnate means that God became a man. So, uh, so the world, so the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen the glory, the glory of God's one. An only son. You know what Billy Graham said? Billy Graham said this. If you want to know what God is like, then take a long look at Jesus Christ because he was God in human flesh. What is that question again? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He's God. God. God incarnate. It is not an optional truth. John MacArthur said this. It is, not, it is not an optional truth. Anyone who rejects Christ's deity rejects Christ absolutely, even if he pretends otherwise. If a person like the Jehovah Witnesses will say he was a God, small g, that's rejecting Christ as God. And that's what he says. It's not an optional truth. Anyone who rejects Christ's deity rejects Christ absolutely. Look harder. You have to acknowledge who he is. Jesus Christ is God. It's not, and then uh, Charles Swindoll said this, He who resided in heaven, co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and the Son, or co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit, Willingly descended into our world. He breathed our air, felt our pain, knew our sorrows, and died for our sins. Talking about Jesus. I like what Max Licato says. Have you ever wondered what it was like for Mary to bring up Jesus? Max Licato Licato raises some questions for Mary that are thought-provoking for us as we are Pondering the humanity and deity of Christ. Mary, what was it like watching him pray? (laughs) Did you ever feel awkward teaching him how he created the world? Did you ever see him with a distant look on his face as if he was listening to someone he couldn't hear? Did you ever think that God's eating my soup? Christ was human. And Christ was God too. I like this, uh, what, what someone said. Jesus Christ was a 200% person. He was 100% human, but he was also 100% God. That's good. Christ revealed the Father to humanity. And as Christians, it is our privilege and duty to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the Father to, uh, to others in our lives. Christ be seen in you. We try to do that. No one has ever seen God. I, I, and I, 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 this is from the New Living Translation. That's what I use for my Bible reading. No one has ever seen God. But the unique one, That's Jesus, who is God himself, 
is near to the Father's heart. She has revealed God to us. You know, I've been, I tell people this. I've studied the Bible. I went to Bible college. I went to seminary. Got two degrees here, master's degrees in seminary, master's in divinity. I have a doctorate degree in divinity. And I've been a preacher since 1978. And so when I, what I'm sharing with, with you, I share with you, you know, with full confidence on the Word of God. That Jesus Christ is God. You can't change that. You know, people uh, in universities like this man was talking about, they, they teach things different. I want to share something with you I read from uh, George Barnes' book. Recently I, re- I read this book. You know what George Barnes said? Uh, I think the book is called, you know, the, To Think Like Christ. George Barnes wrote that book. A lady gave it to me. Uh, who accepted the Lord under my ministry. But George Barnes said this. <clears throat> he said, 91%, 91%, he said, uh, uh, born-again Christians who are adults, okay? 91% of born-again Christians who are adults do not have a biblical worldview. Do not have a biblical worldview. That's why sometimes, you know, Christians... Uh, they get swayed. And, uh, you know, when they go Eastern mysticism or uh, uh, other things that people teach. That's, you know, kind of lukewarm in their faith, maybe. <laughs> they don't have a biblical worldview. For example, uh, when I go to the Christian communities, I notice that there's many people that say they're, they're Christians, but they're content to live common law. <laughs> you know, not married. And to me, I, I think, well, you know, if you really are a Christian and have a solid biblical worldview, you'd get married right away. It's not right to live in sin. 91% of born-again Christians, he said, who are adults, do not have the biblical worldview. And then he said this, 98% of born-again Christians who are teenagers do not have a biblical worldview. A person that has a biblical worldview will stand on the Word of God. Will be, tri- will be a new creation in Christ who will put Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life. 100% commitment to Christ. That's all you have to do. The last point here is uh, to prepare for a second advent. So, so also Christ died once for all times as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again. Not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for Him. He's coming again. He came once in order that He might be able to come again. That's the purpose of the first event. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. But the works of the devil are not yet finally destroyed. The devil is still active. Jesus came to take away the sins but we still struggle with sin in the world and in our lives. He came to reveal the Father, but God is not yet perfectly known. Something more is needed. The first advent demands something else. So Christ's ultimate victory will take place at His second coming. At His second coming. Christ will appear a second time. 
That's the blessed hope we are waiting for. And you know, that event will happen. Because it says it in God's Word. If it's not in our lifetime, it will take place in the future. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when He returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from Him in shame. Christ shall appear a second time apart from sin. So, by His first advent, sin was revealed. He not only revealed it, but He bore it. Not having dealt with sin and destroyed it, not having dealt with sin, now having dealt with sin and destroyed its roots in the first advent, his second coming is to be that of victory. He will come as the king of kings and set up his kingdom. And he will come to judge. I like this last this point I want to share with you. I'm always finished here. Uh, listen carefully. The second advent will be for those who wait for him. Those who are waiting for him. His second advent Advent will mean salvation to those who heard the message of the first advent and believed it. So we stand in between two advents. Our relationship to the first advent creates our relationship to the second advent. To trust in Christ is to wait for the second advent. If you've accepted Christ, then you're ready for the second advent. The birth of Jesus Christ his death and his resurrection were the result of the first coming and the Bible teaches he is coming again. As I close this, uh, this morning, what does Christmas mean to you? You know, you can uh, preach a message and all those points I left you there. <laughs> what does Christmas mean to you? To some people, Christmas means hard work. Uh, you know, when I, when I was preparing this message, I what I did was I looked at all the messages I prepared in the past. <laughs> and I preached a lot of messages at Christmas time. And I picked out all the things I thought were important. <laughs> I put a message together. That's how I did it. I'm ready for you. <laughs> so, uh, what to some people, Christmas means hard work. You go to the stores, crowded with shoppers. Post office is overflowing with mail, long lineups. The trains, buses, and planes are full. In all this busyness, people go through a lot of physical and emotional stress at Christmas. It's a lot of work. To some people, Christmas means a visit home. It is wonderful to be with family members at Christmas. And too many people... Christmas means a sad memory as they are still grieving the loss of a loved one. I remember a friend telling me one time in the Six Nations Reserve, right on Christmas Day, he said, my brother died. I, I believe it was at their place too. They were just getting ready to eat. He died. So to some people, Christmas means partying. You know, office parties, people get drunk. That's how I used to celebrate Christmas before I was a Christian. I'm glad God delivered me from that kind of lifestyle. You know, but to millions of people, okay, Christmas, Christmas means nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. 
You've got to read that book there. I recommend it to you. It's called uh, The Crossing, the Shadow of the Crescent. That's a very powerful book. If you want to know what uh, Islam is, what they teach, you read that, that book. And so uh, they do not know Jesus, and Christmas for them is just another day. I was walking around a uh, neighborhood there, walking my dogs. And you know, I see some Christmas decorations in some homes, and I say, well, celebrate Christmas. And then in some homes, there's nothing. No lights. And it's obvious to me. <laughs> you know, they don't really think much of Christmas. Not celebrating Christmas. Not because they, you know, probably they believe something else. And so, uh, to them, it's just a holiday, or perhaps not even a holiday. So, the message of Christmas is very clear. God became a man to be a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus came from heaven to save sinners. We are saved when our sins are forgiven. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And the greatest gift you can receive is eternal life. If you can't find Christmas in your heart, you'll never find it under the tree. The greatest gift you can give to Jesus on his birthday is yourself. And uh, have, you, have you done that yet? You know, in, in a congregation like this, I just want to close with a, an invitation. Maybe there's somebody here that never accepted Christ. You know, Billy Graham used to say that becoming a Christian is as simple as ABC. ABC. And I want to share with you what he meant by that. He said, the first thing, A, he said, admit your need. <laughs> Tell God you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Admit your need. B, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith simply means to believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Then C, Confess your sins. We need to ask for our sins to be forgiven. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. And as I close, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. And I'm just going to say this prayer and I'm going to ask the gentleman to come up to, to close after I say this prayer. Here's a simple prayer you can pray to Christ. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love to me. You showed how much you loved me when you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. I admit I am a sinner and have sinned against you. I am sorry for my sins and I ask for your forgiveness. I want to turn from my sins and and I surrender my life to you. By faith, I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart and make me his child. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.